Our chair is on her way. I'll just get us started um, until she's here and then she'll take over. So um, let's start with roll call. Member Catalano. Member Catalano. Here, good morning. Member Cunningham Denning, absent. Vice Chair D'Antonio. Here. Member Friedenbach. Here. Member Preston. Here. Member Walton. Here. Chair Williams, absent. We'll be late, okay. Great, so um, now we'll move into the land acknowledgement. So we acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their tradition, the Ramaytush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytush community, and by affirming their sovereignty rights as the first people. Um, so now we'll vote to excuse absences at this or future meetings. What, what exactly is that? Okay, cool. I will not be available for the September meeting. Okay. I had pre-arranged travel that I can't change. Okay. Any other non-attendees of September? Uh, myself as well, and I alerted Ivy to that. Oh, okay. So are we we're taking a vote on that, or is that a new policy? I'm not exactly sure. Um, the bylaws have always included the requirement that members vote to excuse current or future absences. I okay. think we haven't typically. I'll make a motion to. <laughs> Okay, great. I, lo I love the two members. Being within the rules. <laughs> um, I will second that. Great. Let's take a vote. Okay. Um, member Catalano? Yes. I can vote on that. I believe we will need to take public comment before on this item before yeah. we vote okay so let's take public comment then okay okay members of the public who wish to provide in-person public comment on this item please line up at the podium now each person will have two minutes to speak Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Richard Perino. I'm a lifelong San Franciscan, 77 years. I live in the Lower Knob Hill neighborhood, and I re represent the Lower Knob Hill Neighbors Alliance. Uh, last meeting that I attended, I uh, made the Commission aware <clears throat> of a man named Michael, who's been in a shelter at Bryant and Pitt for five years. He is 74 years old, mm. and he's been caught up in the bureaucracy of the nonprofits. He, today he has a meeting with his caseworker after four weeks of waiting. Uh, he will text me about the results, whether he's going to be looking at another 
home for himself or not. The person that gave me this card, I emailed her twice. She's a deputy, um, deputy director. I won't mention her name here. Um, she did not answer my emails, even though she gave me this card. I want you to be aware of that, about how dysfunctional sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, the system is. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Do we have any more public comment? Oh, maybe over the phone? Oh, there's one more here. Good morning. My name is Evelyn, and I live in District 6 in the Southwest area. I'm here on behalf of myself and several residents and property owners on Natoma Street. In the last few years, we have seen our neighborhood assaulted by people with bad behavior, some of them in encampments which persist and diminish our quality of life and safety very seriously. The entire block smells of urine and my front entry needs to be hosed down practically every day. This is due to an encampment that's either side of my block, I believe. On a daily basis, I have to hose it down. In a few words, my safety of, and quality of life right by my home, my front door, is literally in the toilet, pun intended. I'm here to unequivocally demand that Jennifer Friedenbach recuse herself from this committee or any other city of San Francisco post as she has no intention of ever bringing resolutions to the homeless, to the homelessness problem, but would rather continue filing lawsuits and motions to, um, to put a stranglehold on the city's progress regarding homelessness. As executive director of the Coalition on Homelessness, her actions there are in direct conflict with the city's vision. Ms. Friedenbach claims that she is protecting the civil rights of the homeless. You know, all San Franciscos want to protect the civil rights of all San Franciscans. Thank you so much. Your time's up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Jake Hunter. Just to be clear, this is not um, common on general public comment. This is on specifically absences. Oh, did okay. you want to wait? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So we'll take a vote now. We have to wait for them to call, right, for the vote. No, Collins. Okay. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2664-256-8461, webinar password 1234, then pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have two minutes. Moderator, do we have any public comments on the phone? 
For the records, there are no public comments. Great. So we'll take a vote. Member Catalano. Yes. Member Cunningham Denning, absent. Vice Chair D'Antonio. Yes. Member Friedenbach. Yes. Member Preston. Yes. Member Walton. Yes. Great. So um, with that, I wanted to uh, introduce our two new committee members, um, Bonnie Preston and Scott Walton, and just give them a chance to introduce themselves. And thank you so much for joining and being with us here today. You go first. <laughs> okay. I'll follow your lead. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Scott Walton, and I was sworn into this committee in June, but unfortunately not in time to attend the special June meeting. So this is my first meeting. I have <clears throat> a 19-year history of working in homeless services for San Francisco and actually a 24-year history in working in services and housing for persons who are experiencing homelessness, both here in California and my f initial years were in Michigan. Um, I retired from city employment uh, almost exactly a year ago today, and uh, am pleased to be part of this committee. Um, I was very happy when the legislation uh, for this funding passed, and so therefore um, I'm happy to be part of the group that helps oversee the allocations of these funds. Hi, good morning. My name is Bonnie Preston. I'm um, thrilled to be a new member of this commission. I, too, was extremely happy when this passed. Um, we clearly needed more resources to support um, people who are finding themselves without homes. So we need we need to make safe place more safe places, and I'm the people of San Francisco certainly support that. Um, in terms of myself, I am in my backgrounds in public health. I currently work for um, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I serve as the executive officer for. Um, the office here in San Francisco, our regional office, so I work pretty much directly um, for Secretary Becerra in D.C. We represent him out here, so we make sure that um, we are responsive to the people of Region 9 um, with Health and Human Services programming and initiatives. Um, so I am volunteering. Um, this is on my own time. I've been a resident of San Francisco for 30 years. I grew up in the East Bay and went to UC Berkeley undergrad um, and have been um, working on uh, the right to health care my entire career. So um, we have um, so I'm, I'm very interested in this and want to bring all my talents and concerns to this work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, excited to work with you all. So next we'll move on to general public comment and this would be the time for, yeah. M members of the public who wish to provide in-person public comment on this item or in general items, please line up at the podium now. Each person will have two minutes to speak. 
morning. My name is J. Connor B. Ortega of Iconic D3 of San Francisco, and I am here because I'm looking at the roster of members to this oversight committee, and I've noticed a huge red flag. I couldn't help but notice the huge conflict of interest of Jennifer Friedenbach being a member of this committee. Being in charge of the Coalition of Homelessness and on this oversight committee that oversees Prop C funds that goes towards the fighting of homelessness, my posted photo with you and I at yesterday's event was my way of suggesting you should step down. But today, I am formally requesting and demanding you step down from this oversight committee in the name of transparency and avoiding a conflict of interest. Thank you. Any more public comment, um, in-person public comment at this time? Seeing none, do we have any on the phone? Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. Oh, come on up. Sorry, we do have one more in person. Oh, it looks like two more. Let's go. Thank you, sorry. Of course, no. Hi, uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Marnie Regan, she, her pronouns. I'm a division director for Larkin Street Youth Services and co-chair of HESPA, a Homeless Emergency Services Provider Association. I just wanted to say to the committee that um, HESPA would like to counter the narrative that um, Tay and family providers have limited capacity or don't have capacity to expand services, uh, specifically housing, subsidies, um, rental assistance, rapid rehousing. Um, uh, that is not true. Um, we have had a lot of strategy meetings. We do have capacity um, and really eager to work with the committee to um, make some really meaningful investments with uh, housing and subsidy funding. We have a lot of really good plans that will have a lot of impact in the city. So looking forward. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I see a couple more in-person public comments. Good morning, committee. My name is Dejan, organizing director at the Co. Uh, I just wanted to read conflict of interest because it piqued my interest when I heard it in an earlier comment. So a situation in which a person is in a position to derive personal benefit from actions or decisions made in their official capacity. So I don't know what personal benefit Jennifer Friedenbach would gain from sitting on this board. Everything that she's done, the whole reason why we're here is because she's been doing it for the people, for those that are experiencing homelessness. So I just want to come up and say from my heart why I think she actually should be on this board. And the reason why we're all here is because not from personal benefit, but community benefit is why Ms. Friedenbach is up there. So um, I just wanted to share that and uh, thank you for hearing me. Thank you. We have one more in person, I think. Um, hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So it's great to see you again. So um, today, though, I want to be testifying and supporting. Uh, my name is Miguel Carrera, and I'm working for over 28 years together with my director, Jennifer, Bach, Jennifer Friedenbach at the Coalition of Homeless. We do so much work in the community. We organize in so many different campaigns. We move so many, uh, if not hundreds, uh, thousands of people to permanent housing. We open 
many opportunities for so many homeless people. We continue to work in a struggle to make sure every single homeless people, every single youth and family have a decent place that we can call home. So today, by hearing someone to speaking about, again, my director, so I, I oppose these comments because I know I am working with her. I've been late hours in the office putting together to make sure Prop C pass, all the campaigns pass, the city budget. We are we working around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning to pass the budget. So we do so much work, so definite. I support Jennifer Friedenbach. Doesn't matter if my director or not. So She's a human being, and she really, really care homeless people. Really, really care youths and families. And she's a mother. Thank you so much. Thank you. I see one more public comment. Yes. Hi, members of the committee. I'm Sammy Rayner. I'm the Chief Impact Officer at Community Forward San Francisco. And my comment today is to encourage you to look back at the work you all did beautiful work looking at the needs of women, um, women who are unhoused, who have a 90% likelihood of having experienced assault in their lifetime. And look back at the, the work we've done, the research that's been done. There's as many as 2,600 women who get turned away from victim services or emergency services every year because of lack of capacity. And when you're looking at allocation of new projects, there's some really uh, great projects in the pipeline from the Women's Housing Coalition um, that has worked with uh, the research teams you know, across the city. So I encourage you, as you look at acquisition, as you look at housing, incorporate women and how we are going to address the assaults, the, the challenges that happen um, within co-ed spaces uh, for women to find safety. Uh, and, and in particular, I want to call out just uh, an honoring of Kelly Koike, um, who was found in Golden Gate Park in a duffel bag. We don't want to see more women found in duffel bags. We want to find women to find safety. And I encourage you to look at ways that we can invest in safe spaces for women. So thank you. Thank you so much. Any more in-person public comment at this time? Okay. Any uh, phone uh, comments? And also, our chair is here, so I'm going to pass it over to her. Hey, good morning, everyone. Apologies for being a little behind here. And thank you, uh, Vice Chair D'Antonio. Um, so where are we? Uh, okay, so we're now taking public comment, uh, remote public comment. Okay, thank you. Welcome. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item over the phone should call 415-655-0001, access code 2664256-8461, webinar password 1234, then pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have two minutes to speak. Moderator, do we have any public comments on the phone? Looks like we have one public comment on the phone.
Good morning, committee members. My name is Aliana Binder, and I'm the policy manager for Glide. We need an emergency supplemental, supplemental appropriation. Homelessness is a crisis, and we need to get funding out to people who need it. We're especially concerned with the lack of services for youth and families. Families are undercounted in the point in time count and are often invisibilized. Couch surfing, sleeping cars, and SROs, and RVs, they're still in dire need of support. San Francisco has a history of underinvesting in youth and families, which has serious implications given the long-term damages that the experience of homelessness inflict on children and young people. Ending homelessness for families and children prevents these young people from becoming the city's next generation of homeless adults. That's why Prop C was designed with set percentages and an emphasis on investing in children and families. We need to spend the funds we already have to provide housing and services to families and youth who are in urgent need of support. Thank you. We have another caller. Caller, you're unmuted. <clears throat> Looks like they left. Okay. Moderator, do we have any other public comments on the phone? Okay. For the records, there are no additional phone public comments. This concludes the public comment section for this agenda item. Thank you so much. Um, so now we'll move to approval um, of the minutes for April 14th and April 27th. Is there any discussion? I'm sorry. Oh, we have July minutes? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. June 9th as well. So I know we have two new members and welcome. I got to meet Bonnie and welcome to you as well. Um, so I know for those minutes, you two weren't here, but. Is there any discussion from the committee? Are you? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Is there a motion? Um, I can make a motion um, to pass the minutes of April 14th, April 27th, and June 9th. Okay. So it's been moved by Member Friedenbach. Is there a second? second that. Oh, okay. Seconded by uh, Member Catalano. Any discussion? All right. So we'll take the roll. Uh, we also have to do public. Is there public comment? Yeah. Okay. Members of the public who wish to provide in-person public comment on this item, please line up at the podium now. Each person will have two minutes to speak. For the records, there are no in-person public comments. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item over the phone should call 415-655. Zero 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 one, access code two six six four, two five six, eight four six one, webinar password one two three four, then pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have two minutes. Moderator, do we have any public comments on the phone? 
For the records, there are no phone public comments. Thank you so much. All right, so we'll take the roll at this time. Member Catalano? Yes. Member Cunningham Denning, absent. Vice Chair D'Antonio? Yes. Member Friedenbach? Yes. Member Preston? <clears throat> um, so I wasn't here at the first two meetings, so I don't. You could abstain for the abstain. new Member. Member Walton? I was not present, so I'll abstain. And Chair Williams? Yes. It lowers the vote threshold, actually. Yeah, so I think we're good. So the motion should pass. Okay, thank you. Alrighty, so uh, moving forward to item four, um, the overview and discussion of the final OCO budget for fiscal year 23-24 and fiscal year 24-25. Um, I will invite Director Whitley up to speak with us. Thank you for joining us. And happy summer. Hope you had a good summer. Thank you. Good afternoon. Gigi Whitley, she, her. I'm the Deputy Director of Admin and Finance for the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. I'm joined by my colleague, Christine Rowland, our Budget Director, who's going to be operating the slides. And then I'll ask uh, DPH's um, Kelly Kirkpatrick to come up and talk about mental health. So I was asked today to just um, update the committee on where things landed with the, our city, our home budget in relation to HSH HSH's budget um, during the board phase. So next slide. Um, so I'll be going over the revised expenditure plan, the revised sources, how the budget investments meet the department's five-year citywide strategic goals, and then I'll turn it over to Kelly um, to update you on DPH. So the Board of Supervisors Budget and Appropriations Committee made some significant changes in partnership with the mayor and the controller. They first um, uh, did not approve or denied the reallocation of TAY and family housing revenue fund balance to support the funding plan. Instead, the controller, after the mayor's budget was submitted, had identified $34.4 in new unidentified revenue from interest earnings that had accrued on the fund uh, over the last three years, uh, in part because the, the fund was tied up in litigation for um, more than two years. Um, and so that interest earnings was then appropriated to support this expenditure plan. Uh, we also got good news um, from the state during the budget process that we were awarded a state grant and that allowed us to leverage that grant for one of the projects we had put on OCO, the Mission Cabins program. We also reduced the two-year inv new investment plan, um, the additive funds from 60 to 44 million. Uh, the uh, legislation was amended to account for all these changes. And then there was also, per the legislation, a one-year suspension in the 12% cap on rapid rehousing investments. It reverts back under the cap in the second year of the budget. So um, this is an overview of the um, revised approved expenditure plan adopted by the Board of Supervisors. You can see over the two-year budget, it totals um, approximately $44 million. 
Um, it's anticipated to fund 235 new slots of adult rapid rehousing. Um, on the prevention side, it's um, anticipated to fund an additional 750 slots of homelessness prevention. That's our emergency rental assistance for uh, folks at risk of imminent homelessness, as well as 75 new slots and some staffing for Latin A youth. Um, to um, prevent youth from falling into homelessness. On the shelter side, uh, uh, ongoing funds to support a new cabins vehicle project in District 10. Um, we leveraged some uh, funds for a vehicular assistance program pilot, not using OCO funds, uh, expanded hours at the family Buena Vista Horace Mann family shelter so that site can stay open uh, while school is closed and on weekends, and then uh, $5.2 million to fund operations at uh, the Mission Cabins program for 21 months with that state grant I mentioned. Uh, here is an overview of the revised sources. Uh, as you can see on the top line, 34.4 million distributed over two years is that additional interest earnings. In addition to that, the board um, reverted some money moved from prevention into Tay and Family Housing back to prevention to fund uh, that Latin A youth program as well as those additional slots of prevention, uh, leveraging the state grant, like I mentioned, and a work order through the Office of Financial Empowerment for a vehicular assistance program out in uh, District 10. And... Uh, so the next slide shows you uh, what in the mayor's original proposal did not get funded. So there was a reduction of slots in ad adult rapid rehousing. Uh, the programs, uh, the, the plan still funds 235 slots, but not the, the full amount that the mayor proposed. And uh, it reduces funds for a new adult um, permanent housing site. Uh, we also weren't able to uh, sort of bridge uh, some of the cliffs we're seeing in the prevention funds. And then finally, uh, the plan did not cover some expanded hours at Hospitality House Adult Shelter. We're working to try to accommodate this amount within our existing budget. And we're really just piloting this vehicle assistance program right now instead of piloting it and trying to expand at the same time. So sort of deferring that decision. Uh, just a brief overview of how this supports our strategic plan investments, still getting us to 34% uh, of our prevention goals, 55% uh, towards our shelter goals, and 11% towards our housing goals. And then the next two slides just sort of are a recap of what got in the budget that either the committee approved or the mayor and board approved um, in terms of new housing prevention and shelter investments. I won't read this whole slide, but some of the highlights I've already mentioned with the rapid rehousing, uh, switching the flex pool for women from one time to an ongoing subsidy, some one time money for the Granada rehabilitation work as well as capital upgrades grades to PSH sites, a new adult and family shallow subsidy programs. Uh, each program will have about 60 slots ongoing, PSH money management, and then funds to operate a Tay Bridge housing model along with acquisition funds. 
Um, in terms of new shelter investments, uh, continuing to expand um, a cabin vehicle site in D2, as well as uh, funds to operate that site. I mentioned the Buena Vista Horace Man program. There's a one-time increase in family hotel vouchers, and then some one-time increases to cover staffing and food services at the navigation center that adult probation runs. Um, and then finally, we were able to continue the access point funding at the current programming level, those additional slots that we're very excited about for emergency homelessness prevention, especially emergency rental assistance, and uh, those new slots for uh, problem solving, um, flexible grants for youth um, focused on Latinx youth. Um, I'm gonna turn it over to Kelly Kirkpatrick, but before I do, I just wanted to mention um, one potential, well, more than potential, one change that will likely affect this plan going forward. Um, last week, we, we got some updated revenue numbers for last year's budget um, from the controller's office that further downward revised the revenue projections we anticipated at year end. We're working hard with the controller to uh, close that deficit. Um, that is going to liquidate a lot of the reserves and one-time savings that we had put aside. Um, and so we, we will likely be coming back to you um, once we have better um, current year revenue numbers um, to explain if that had to affect our spending plan at all. But did want you to know there's an additional revenue weakness here at year end, and uh, we're grappling with the long-term effects of that. I don't see any immediate impact in our spending plan because we are fortunate to have uh, those one-time reserves still in place. And I'll turn it over to Kelly Kirkpatrick. Thank you. Thank you, Director Whitley. Good morning, members of the committee. My name is Kelly Kirkpatrick. I am the Director of Administration and Operations for Mental Health SF at DPH. Um, our slides are that there were no changes to our budget during mayor phase, sorry, in board phase of the budget. So everything we presented to you in April um, was maintained. So this slide for you all is just a refresher of our approximately $100 million Prop C spending plan for fiscal 23-24 and some of the highlights, including our residential care and treatment expansion, expansion of overdose prevention services, um, improving follow-up and care coordination through our expanded services of the Office of Coordinated Care, as well as expanded case management, um, launching of our um, coordinated effort with uh, HSH for our permanent housing advanced clinical services. We'll be working over the next year to implement the Mental Health Service Center, and um, we are beginning our expanded uh, peer navigation and health services over the coming year. Um, Happy to answer any questions, but uh, just wanted to remind you of what our $100 million spending plan contained and no changes in board face. All right, thank you so much, Director Whitley and Director Kirkpatrick. I'm gonna open it up to my colleagues for any comments and questions and just kick off our discussion. Um, do we, actually, do we have any public comment? Do we have any public comment at this time? Actually, we want to. Okay, I see the there's public. someone here. In the Members of the public who wish to provide in person public comment on this item, please line up at the podium now. Each person will have two minutes to speak.
Hi, all. Good morning. I have a lot to say, so I'm going to speak quickly. Hope Kamer, External Affairs Director, Compass Family Services. I'm also the chair of the HESPA Family Subcommittee. Um, I'd like to reify my colleague Marnie's earlier comment that any narrative that Tay and family providers don't have capacity to expand propsy programs is not true. Um, further, Compass provides intensive behavioral health services to the city's homeless families served by HSH. And we're seeing rising acuity of need and instances of toxic stress in caregivers navigating homelessness every day. Uh, toward that end, I would like to encourage shifting future investments towards higher touch family interventions, including but not limited to Flexpool. I'd also like to say a plug for the access points continuing to have funded childcare positions so children don't have to be in the room with their parents while they are being assessed into coordinated entry and recounting a lifetime of trauma. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, Marnie Regan, she, her pronouns, uh, Larkin Street Youth Services, co-chair of HESPA. Um, I just want to reiterate, um, uh, our, I appreciate uh, the HSH um, updates. Um, Tay and family providers do have the capacity to take on additional subsidies, um, housing investments. Um, I also want to mention we are really looking forward to leveraging HUD funding um, that is limited, it doesn't cover everything, and is very restrictive, and I think that um, local funds from OCO can go a long way to leveraging those federal dollars, um, particularly around housing. Um, there's also a very hard, um, aggressive push for acquisitions, <clears throat> which is very challenging in the city, but there are some things that are coming up, so there are plans being made, rapid rehousing um, and subsidy ex uh, extensions um, so really looking forward to the conversations from the Tay and family providers specifically with OCO. Thanks. So, hi, me again, Miguel Carrera. Um, I want to say thank you to HSH directors because she's been some really good points about the budget, about um, uh, the money that we want to spend in for families, homeless families and youths. So I think it's, uh, what I want to say is about, so the propsy, when we work, when we create and building, working in the propsy uh, in 2017, 2018, so it was so really great because we have a 360 homeless people, families working in the campaign. They was helping to win this campaign. So. But well, the reason is that uh, we're trying to move in homeless people, homeless families and youth to permanent housing. We want the homeless people be stable. Not only be stable to be, have a home, they can call a home as a place, but uh, we can help in end the mental health issues. So when we homeless, we suffer trauma. And when I say we, because I am formerly homeless. So, that means for me, I am still in therapies for 28 years, and I still working in myself. Imagine all the homeless people, families, youth, how much support they need. This proposition is for the people homeless, for the families and youth. So we want to keep in continuing to work in the struggle to make sure this money, every single penny is spending in housing and services for homeless people and families. So this is what, what it is, and I want to continue to work in the struggle. Thank you so much. Thank you.
How you doing, committee? My name is Dejan, organizing director at the Co. And uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, supplemental appropriation for Tay and families. Um, I think that there should be um, some funds um, set aside for families and youth for unforeseen events. Um, right now, we're working hard on trying to get a real count. Um, and so if we think about families that are not counting and, and providers and those of us at the code know that there are families that just don't, that are just not seen or um, not visible. Um, we think that there should be some type of fund um, created and set aside um, for when those families do come forward and, and we do have the opportunity to, to help them. And um, also Tay um, is, is in that same boat. Um, Tay are often overlooked and, and not seen and so funding lags on that. And so um, we think those two should be paired and we should have those appropriations made for those populations. Thank you. No other in-person comments? Members of the public who wish to provide public comment over the phone on this item should call 415-655-0001, access code 2664-256-8461, webinar password 1234, then pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note you will have two minutes. Moderator, do we have any public comments on the phone? For the records, there are no public comments on the phone. Thank you so much, uh, Secretary. So we'll now uh, come back to the committee. Um, uh, Director Whitley, if you could join us. Uh, we have a few questions. Um, I'll kick it off with uh, Member Friedenbach. Hi, thank you so much um, for um, pulling together all this information. Um, so <clears throat> um, just to kind of recap, you know this, Gigi, I know, but just for members um, who are listening in who may not, um, so there was, when the mayor had a $60 million, had taken out of housing and um, for family and youth $60 million to reallocate that. And then we ended up being able to fund almost all of both of the mayor's ass and, the, um, and protect the youth and family housing. Um, at that time, um, it was stated that it was unutilized um, funds. And so I wanted to circle back around to that um, and really try to because I think it's really important that, um, and I know some of that money came back from the um, home key matches, um, but I wanted to circle back around to that and so that we could possibly um, uh, make some recommendations on how to, how to spend that money and, and get an appropriation out there. We've been, you know, um, uh, at least speaking from coalition on homelessness perspective, we've been coming across a ton of families who um, are not um, getting their needs met, people at Oasis that then um, are kind of in limbo for a long period of time, families there, um, families who are in their cars, um, families that are in some really other very dire situations with young children, um, younger than school age, so they're not able to use the Buena Vista horseman. And so um, there's, and then we're of course also um, coming across youth in these urgent situations as well as, as Ben has mentioned. And so, um, so I just wanted to kind of preface things with that. And um, I'm noticing, so I wanted to just kind of start with Tay, 
and I'm noticing that we have unallocated the 11.8, and I was wondering if that was um, um, ongoing money or um, or if it was um, one time, um, because that obviously kind of dictates what we can do with the money. Yeah. Thank you, Gigi Whitley, HSH. Thanks for the question and for your earlier email so I could prepare a little <laughs> bit. Um, so the summary, and I apologize, I don't have it up, but I believe all the committee members have it. Laura is going to bring it up for the public. Shows what was appropriated in the budget. And so uh, in your example, um, Member Friedenbach, the 11.7 million that's unallocated is what was budgeted as unallocated. There is additional fund balance that you're not seeing on this chart. So I wanted to give you all, um, for your planning purposes, those updated numbers. First of all, all of these funds are appropriated, so there's no further budget appropriation action that would need to happen. Um, they would need to be allocated to a spending plan. So with that 11 million and then the additional 8.8 in unallocated funds on the family side that was put in the budget, um, there's an additional, um, there's additional funds for a total of 40 million for both Tay and families. So roughly 24.7 million for Tay and 15.8 million for families. Um, this is my CFO cautionary note. Uh, this is one-time money. Um, so you see in the second year of the plan, um, there isn't really a lot of room uh, unless you want to reallocate the existing plan. There's about 3.4 million for acquisition of family, um, but the, there's also a 10 million for TAY acquisition that we're hoping to spend, um, although we may have further good news from the state, we have two home key applications into the state for Tay. So uh, bottom line, 40 million for Tay and families, all one time, uh, appropriated but unprogrammed. Okay, so, and what I'll do just for We'll, we'll add some of this to the final summary so it's transparent. Um, this was really intended to show you the budget view, not all of our um, remaining funds, including some of our remaining acquisition funds. Uh, just really quick, Director Whitley, when you say that um, there's already some thoughts about spending for those pots, I just wanted to be clear. So is that included in the 8.8 .8 in the... 11.7 that you have, um, you mentioned a couple of um, acquis potential acquisitions and other things, or is that separate? No, sorry, I wasn't yeah. clear. I, I sort of pivoted to the no. next year of the budget, but um, the, what's, what I'm describing here is unallocated, both on this chart and the additional funds I mentioned for that $40 million total is all unallocated. We don't have programming plans for that. Obviously, you know, the department is well aware um, and want to be in close partnership with the community about iterating on the strategic plan and building out those uh, youth and family plans. And so um, my understanding is that, you know, this is the intent of the committee to work in partnership on that plan, and these would be some of the funds for that plan. So, so just for my own clarity, in the families, 
area in terms of unallocated or just remaining fund balance combined, we're looking at about 24, 25. 15.8. 15.8 million. And then Tay, 24.7. And that gets you to 40.5. And that's including the, what's referred, the 8.8 .8 is included in the 15.8. Correct. Okay. Exactly. The, Thank you so much. What's the, oh, this 8.8. .8. The family. So the total is 15.8 million and then the 24.7 million. Correct, for okay. a total of 40.5 unallocated in one time. And so we got, did we get to the 15, so looking at the families, uh -huh. did we get to the 15.8 by adding, the, adding what's um, left over in the acquisition? No. No, okay, no. so I just also wanted to ask about the acquisition on the, because we have 11.6 there, which was part of what was pulled from on the 60 million from the mayor originally was the acquisition dollars for families. Is there an intent, any buildings that have been identified for the acquisitions on the family side? Like, you know what I mean? Like we, basically what we're trying to do is make sure that we're, um, we're putting the money to good use. Yeah, I guess it's kind of obvious, but sorry. Yeah. Yes, uh, so that was last year's budget. <laughs> This year's budget ha does not have that. I, I, I need to go back and check with our, what our family um, acquisition fund balance is. So I don't have that for you. Okay, because one of the, one of the things that I'm a little bit confused on is that back in the spring, we got that presentation about the projections going out to 2027, 28. And at that time there was, and I know the projections have gone down, so definitely grain assaulting this whole situation. Um, but um, at that point, uh, the projection revenue for Tay um, was going from 23-24 from 15 million on housing to 24 to 33 to 43.6 to 53.9 in 2027-28. And so the discussion at that point was, well, if the fund balance is going up in the future years, then that would indicate that we would have at least some portion of the dollars that we could use for ongoing operating. And so, um, and then the same with the family, we had um, kind of a similar situation where basically it was going up to 40.7 from 11.7. Um, and so pretty significant increase in the projections. Specifically, these were the only categories just for the new members that we didn't have a a kind of a down, like we actually had an up, like everything else we were like, ooh, we're gonna max out on our operating really quickly, but the two areas that we weren't gonna max out on our operating was the family and youth because of that upward trajectory. So I wanted to just see how that kind of squares with this conversation. Yeah, I, thank you for the question, Gigi Whitley again. Um, so I, I don't have for you the out years revised projections. Um, you know, basically what we're grappling with, which has been what we've been grappling with since the fund unlocked is the extreme volatility in the fund. And so, you know, based on updated revenue projections from last year, which are not insignificant to balance around, plus how the fund is trending based on um, the tax revenue collection, as well as uh, challenges to people's gross receipts tax. Um, we're soaking up that ongoing money, and we're likely going to have deficits where we thought we were gonna be steady state and will be on balance for Tay and families. So as of this point in time, 
I think until we work out with the controller's office what the current year projections are, we, we know we have appropriated an unallocated 40 million and that's a solid number, but in terms of how that's going to affect going forward, the budget is still relatively tight. Okay, all right, thank you. Thank you, so Member Catalano. Hi, Director Whitley, I have three questions for you. Um, two on prevention and one on shallow subsidies. So the first question is on the prevention, the first line item in the, in the prevention budget uh, is homelessness prevention and financial services. I wanted to clarify if the financial services there refers to the money management pilot that was discussed um, or if that refers to something else, if you have that information. Sorry, the money management project that I discussed in my presentation? No, it, it, when we went through the budget process some months back, or what okay. financial services is, if that's... Um, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll have to double check with our program staff, but this bucket is still, um, to my mind, what was programmed in prior years. Uh, there's the... Tay direct cash pilot, um, as well as all of the problem solving, uh, some portion of problem solving services, but the bulk of this, as you know, is that eviction prevention. Got so, it, I think I actually just located the money management line item in adult housing, so I think I've correct, partially that, answered that question for myself. Yes, so that, that was the, that's where I was going. Like what I mentioned in the presentation, that money management, it's really um, to, uh, like a rep payee program for PSH tenants. I had a recollection of us discussing where in the budget that might best sit, so that was my question. I, in, um, if, if it would be possible in future budget reporting to um, separate out the things that are SFE rep versus other types of programs, that would be helpful if there's anything else that's now been kind of bucketed in that top one. Just a sure. comment if possible. Yes. Um, my second question was about the 1,650 new prevention and problem-solving slots toward the strategic plan goal that was mentioned. And I'm trying to capture for myself where those, and for others hopefully, where those slots are coming from. I understand there's a 750 new um, slots that were funded through the, the board budget process, as well as the 75 uh, problem-solving slots. But are there others that were built into, the, into this coming year's budget that um, or adding on to that baseline. Yes, and I'll have to get back to you on the total investment, but the 750 was additive, right? We, we knew this is the steady state we can maintain, but in order to meet the strategic plan goals and hopefully divert more folks falling into homelessness, we're, we wanted to add at least 860 slots. This gets us the 750. I don't know what the total investment is off the top of my head. And I think you said this verbally, but because it has it previously been indicated as 750 new prevention or diversion slots, I believe you said today that those funds will go towards SFERAP, towards the Targeted Homelessness Prevention Program. Is that correct? I've been out for three weeks, so okay. let me make sure. <laughs> okay. uh, that's That'd still uh, in line with what our planning and programming um, department is, is thinking about, but that's certainly our public messaging and my understanding from the budget that this would expand um, those emergency housing, uh, you know, uh, assistance. Okay. Um, if you are able to share that back with the committee, that would be we'll, welcome. We'll check that. Um, sure. Especially because we have had, we've talked about problem solving and the, the um, 
very different approach and very different population that problem solving can effectively serve and also acknowledging those problem solving funds are diminishing and, and really that whole bucket has a cliff, but right. thinking about the capacity of that SFE rep program to scale um, and to meet the imminent um, needs of, of households at risk of homelessness. So I'd love to get clarity on that. Thank okay. you. We'll do. Thank Welcome you so back also. Thank you so much. Um, Amy oh, I have, I'm sorry, I lied. I have one last question, <laughs> which is on the shallow subsidies. Um, really exciting to see the shallow subsidies both in the family and adult housing um, mm -hmm. sections. And just wanted to ask based on, um, so we can kind of have our own eyes on how it, it rolls out. How is that, who, who's gonna um, run that within HSH? How does that sit within sort of, um, if that's been determined yet, since it is a relatively newer intervention outside of kind of the SRO uh, doubled up families? Yeah, let me get back to you on that. I, I, my, my recollection is that we'll sit with our other, uh, you know, scattered site program, so we have a flex pool, we have rapid rehousing, um, housing ladder, that's all under sort of our, our scattered site uh, um, team. And so I, my understanding is that team will be the one implementing that. Uh, you know, MoCD already has sort of an SRO doubled up program, and so there is probably gonna be some conversation about like, who's best positioned to get the family money out as soon as possible. Um, and I can get you an update at the next meeting on where we are on the adult shallow subsidies. And but that's the team. Thank you. Thank you so much, Member Cunningham, uh, Member Catalano. Um, any of my colleagues have additional questions before I jump in with a couple questions? All right, so Director Whitley, you know my favorite topic, capacity. <laughs> so just wanna talk about this um, topic of uh, capacity and just the expansion um, piece. Um, I know that we've talked about just staffing up in different areas, not only within HSH, but also just staffing um, amongst our providers. Just wanna talk a little bit more about um, your thoughts on that and where folks are at in terms of um, the capacity issue um, that's been raised. Um, as you've heard from providers, um, they're ready and willing to be able to accept additional um, resources to be able to expand our offerings. So just wanna hear a little, little bit more about that from HSH's perspective. Oh, I'm certainly not prepared to talk about oh. that today, Geraldine. <laughs> Sorry, we're not even like, let me check in on where we are with our own staffing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a journey uh, with HSH and we still have a number of staffing vacancies. Um, I did hear the comments and comments during the budget from our valued providers in both Tay and families. Um, so, you know, there's, um, so let me get back to you with a more thoughtful answer um, in consultation with our executive team and where folks think we are in terms of our internal capacity and where we're seeing rooms, room both with the providers and um, you know, other performance issues. Um, my last question was gonna be around, um, of course, coordinated entry and just connectivity um, with uh, those who are needing services. Could you speak a little bit about um, improvements to that process? I know we talked a, bit, a little bit about that in our meeting um, with other providers, TAN family providers. Um, I don't know if you're prepared to give any 
thoughts on that as well. <laughs> no, but I, I can take it back to Cynthia uh, Najendra, our planning director. She's been convening over the months of August uh, more working sessions on how we can improve coordinated entry as a follow-up to our strategic plan. So I'm sure she'd be happy to come and as a former colleague too on the committee and, and talk to you about our progress there. Thank you though. Thank you so much. Any of our colleagues have questions, thoughts? I guess I just, I had a quick comment just about the, just on the same page with everybody as far as TAN families. Um, I think if we want to be working upstream, you know, we see a lot of families graduating from the TAE system into the adult system. Um, we know, we've seen studies that show that kids that are raised in families um, that are experienced homelessness are more likely to experience homelessness themselves. And kids, that's, that's a clock tick is clocking. I mean, the clock is ticking. Um, those kids are getting older and they're still experiencing homelessness and they're still in the system. So uh, I know all of us on the committee are like really um, trying to get more funds for families and youth. That was the whole design of Prop C. Um, we really wanna keep the buckets and the allocations where they're at and not appropriate them into the adult funds. Um, adults have historically in the city got way more funding than families and youth. Um, and what we're doing has been working. A 46% decrease in Tay homelessness is huge, and I definitely attribute that to this committee and to the work of the providers. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Vice Chair D'Antonio, and also want to thank our providers that have joined us here today. Any other uh, discussion from the committee? Chair. Um, just more of a comment, and that is as we go forward, I think, especially with unallocated funds and one-time funds, it's very helpful to see a clear presentation about um, investments that require ongoing funding versus investments that are clearly one-time um, because of just the commitment that starting something makes to future budgets. And I appreciate the controller's office report about the uncertainty of these revenues. And so I think this becomes all the more important as we move forward. Yeah. Thank you for the feedback. That's very helpful. Thank you so much, Member Walton. Um, I'm going to go back to Member Catalano. Um, I had a question for Director Kirkpatrick, actually, about some of the DPH funding. Thank you, Director Whitley. Thank you. Hi, good Hi, morning. Good morning. Um, I was just wondering, I, I know there was an announcement recently of some state funding that the city had received for um, behavioral health transitional housing, I believe. Um, and I was wondering if you could speak to, if you have the ability to speak today to any additional state funding that we've received that um, complements the Prop C funding um, for some of the acquisitions or the expansion. Absolutely. I think the most recent announcement is for um, behavioral health bridge housing, referred to as BHBH. It is a, um, a apportioned allocation based on um, you know census and pit count. Um, to the city and county. Um, our allocation is $32 million over the next four years. So it's about $8 million a year for four years, and it ends, of course. Um, and so it is a partnership that we are working on with HSH, and kind of the state parameters for the funding is that it has to be, as they've put it, roofs over heads quickly for folks who are experiencing severe behavioral health needs. Um, with a prioritization for our folks who are um, care court clients. 
Um, and so we are looking to expand. And it cannot be housing or treatment that uh, is Medi-Cal eligible. Um, and so it's a very narrow scope. So I'm just giving you all the qualifications to understand. So it's really um, short um, to midterm transitional um, residential care and treatment or housing. So we're working with HSH on some um, shelter expansion as well as expanding some of our um, more transitional um, uh, housing at DPH, like our um, uh, uh, potentially boarding care housing uh, or residential care and treatment, sorry, um, as well as some of our emergency stabilization um, programs. And so it's a really um, getting people stabilized so that we can link them. The goal is to permanent supportive housing. So there's also hmm. funding available for services um, uh, to provide linkage to people. Um, as well, so we're working with HSH on that. If you would like a more detailed dive into that, I'd have to go back, but that's what I can pull for you off the top of my head, and we can circulate can the press the release. <laughs> I, I know, I can circulate the press release that we put out to the committee so you can see some more details and ask any more follow-up questions from there. Thank you. I just, just for um, when you go back and come back to us, um, just wanna hear a little bit about dual diagnosis um, offerings as well as like the long-term high acuity um, residential facilities. I don't know if you wanna speak to that right now, but definitely would invite you back um, on that piece and absolutely wanna hear about the street outreach. Uh, what's happening with street outreach. I know we had a really robust conversation about the first responders piece of that and just yeah, if you want Absolutely, to, uh, and I think yeah. you all are doing work planning, I believe, yes. at some point soon. So as you um, will take note of your priorities and actually get the right SMEs in here um, to help answer some of your more specific questions. But we'll definitely circulate the BHBH press release um, so you can see some of the details there and happy to follow up after that as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just had a question about the acquisition dollars within the behavioral health bucket. Mm -hmm. And um, what is, we've been kind of circling back to these quite a bit because they, um, there was like a, as I recall, Director Cunnins at some point had talked about um, there's a few different possibilities for use for those. And so yes. just wondering if there was any updates on any acquisitions, wondering if the state dollars, if maybe that could be kind of partnered with an acquisition to kind of create capacity that way. Um, yeah, absolutely happy to give an update. Yeah. Um, so um, we have received state money that will help leverage the Prop C money for a handful of projects. So we're working on an expansion of residential step-down beds um, on Treasure Island, which is new construction. Um, we've received state money to support that um, through the CCE preservation oh. funding available at the state. Um, we are also working um, we've received state money through BCHIP. I do not remember what the acronym stands for, but it's BHCIP, um, with the state uh, to support the construction costs for our crisis stabilization unit, which is on Hyde Geary. We've purchased that property with Prop C money. Again, complementing. Really, we're trying to leverage the state infrastructure funding. So that's Treasure Island is an, a project the Crisis Stabilization Unit on Hyde Geary. Um, additionally, we are working with the state um, for funding for the expansion of a potential mental health service center, um, which would also leverage Prop C money. Um, we are still working through some of the negotiation elements. We're still in negotiation on a handful of properties, but um, we are looking for approximately three to five buildings, and I've 
given you at least three there. Um, and others in current kind of exploratory phases where we're negotiating with uh, property owners, but it would be um, in-county facilities for our Tay residential program. We still don't have a facility for that. Um, looking for additional kind of um, stabilized facilities for our boarding care and dual diagnosis beds um, that we would utilize our acquisition funding from Prop C. Um, looking for a permanent location for our managed alcohol program. It's in a master leased um, facility right now, um, as well as, as I shared, we're in the pre-development phase on our residential step-down beds and a potential site for the mental health service center. Sorry, I'm re-looking at the slides I presented in April, um, where we have on slides six and seven, a review of kind of acquisitions um, that are in the pipeline for our funding. Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. Very exciting, super exciting. Um, so I'm assuming no money left on the table. Um, that's, yeah, because I know that there's, um, we heard some comment from um, the public about women's um, needs, and I know there's been a lot of work trying to um, get a building um, that could be behavioral health focused that really centers on women. And so just seeing if there's any potential in the acquisition pot there, or if you feel like it's totally gonna, it, that it's gonna be exhausted, and also kind of timeline as to when it's gonna be exhausted, because I think a lot of us after last year's experience are also very nervous about um, money getting um, taken. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, so um, those are all great questions, and uh, to what Director Whitley had mentioned as well, um, I, we do have plans, as I outlined, should you know negotiations come to fruition, which is what we hope. Um, but additionally, that one-time funding might be a backstop should Prop C revenues decline any further um, to maintain our existing $100 million spending plan. We already have like a $20 million structural shortfall in the long term um, with the current revenue projections for Prop C for our $100 million, I'm rounding here, um, allocation. And so any unspent acquisition funds, we might have to utilize um, uh, to kind of maintain ongoing spending and, and uh, avoid cuts depending on where revenue goes in the coming years. Okay, so do we, do you, like, because I, I, I think for me, and I don't know how the other committee members feel about it, but it seems like we should, like, we should be more structured about it. Like if we're gonna put money in reserve, we should decide like having a certain amount of money in reserve and then the money that's not in reserve, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's a little more, um, yeah, I just, yeah, a little bit more definitive. Um, and I know there is some uncertainties. I'm not, also not really convinced of the helpfulness of um, one-time monies as helping us in those when when the money goes down like it's sort of like a very short term mm -hmm. help but using the money for an acquisition that's a long term investment i feel like on the you know what i mean like it 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 um it, you know i i see the use of having money set aside that's ongoing but of one time i'm a little bit more skeptical of but yeah yeah and i do i have a question about that um so the accruement of interest on the fund when we are, have sort of set money aside and decided that will be for future investments, for acquisitions, that money is accruing interest, correct? So when we appropriate it, we're actually removing like possible, because we made 44 million on interest alone. And so I think that was the idea of Prop C originally when we designed it, 
was that we would have money we would be setting aside that would accrue interest and that we could then be really swift with acquisitions because the problem was historically there would be buildings that would be up for sale. We would have first op offer to buy, but we just didn't have the money. So now we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And I think the problem is a lot of people are new to this and they haven't done the work to look at the design and what's happened historically. So they're just, we're making a lot of the same mistakes we made in the past. And I think, I don't know. So I just want us to think about that too. 44 million in interest alone is huge. So. Thank you so much, Vice Chair D'Antonio. Uh, Director Kirkpatrick, do you have any other questions or comments for us? All right, well, we'll welcome you back at our next meeting. Thank you so much. All righty, so um, do we have any additional public, public comment before we move to the next agenda item? All right, so we're now going to move uh, to item five, which is our discussion of our fiscal year 23-24 work plan, as well as future agenda items. Um, each of us has um, this sheet um, before you um, that shows some of our um, previous discussion on topics um, to be looked at by the committee, um, and we have it up there for the audience as well. Um, we've talked about racial equity, um, receiving a presentation from HSH, DPH, and MOHCD on each department's racial equity action plan. I'll also add to that list, um, of course, the Office of Racial Equity, um, receiving a presentation from them um, because they are doing um, relevant work um, for our committee. Um, we want presentations on key services, such as workforce development, um, particularly connected to rapid rehousing. We've heard a lot about rapid rehousing and whether that intervention is effective for folks. Um, uh, we want a presentation on problem-solving implementation and effectiveness, um, as well as coordination with other systems, um, mental health SF, and it'll be great to hear from staff if we've gotten any of these, any responses from some of these folks in regards to presenting in the future. Um, we've been asking to hear from the SF Housing Authority, um, given they are the only um, provider really of extremely low income housing in San Francisco and just knowing that's a huge need um, and just what's the progress on rehabilitating um, units here in the city. Um, we also want to hear back on the system modeling process and our data work group. I know that work group has sort of paused activity given we do not have a data officer at this time with the transition of one of our committee members, our committee member that was serving in that role. Um, and um, we have some uh, November retreat topics for this November that we could look at, but just wanna open it up to the committee. Um, there's a number of areas, if you flip over the document, you can look at um, the calendar for this year, and you see that we have open areas in September, October, um, and some other uh, months in this year. And we just wanna hear from the committee, what do we wanna prioritize for those months? Is there anything that's missing from this list? Um, yeah, anything that you see that's not reflected here? And again, just wanna welcome our newest members, uh, member Scott Walton and our, our member, I know Bonnie, you joined us at our, our, last, mem our last meeting. Um, so yes, we're gonna open it up. Um, apologies, member Preston joined us at our last meeting. Um, we'll open up to the committee, Vice Chair D'Antonio. Yeah, um, so we've been waiting for the Housing Authority for what, two two years? Yeah, three years. Three years? Okay, cool. So I think we should just put it on the agenda and either they show up or they don't, just makes them look bad. So I, I think September would be good. Um, not only do they um, operate a lot of the um, very low income, extremely low income units, but they've been putting money into programs like HomePoint 
um, and other like rapid rehousing programs are things they've been looking at. Um, there's, so there's a lot of different things HUD needs to come here and discuss with us. We don't know how many vacancies we, they have. We can't do a proper systems model of our system without one of the biggest pieces. So just put them on the agenda, let them know, and they show up or they don't. Thank you, Vice Chair D'Antonio. I'm gonna open up to the committee. Any thoughts? Uh, Member Catalano. Um, well, I have a additional point and then maybe a question um, for the committee. The additional topic would be a focus on specific subpopulations, specifically families um, and Tay, and we could discuss other subpopulations we might want to focus on, including women. Um, I think this is particularly important because the strategic plan does not in the modeling currently have subpopulation focus um, or kind of I know that's intended, but it hasn't yet been done. And so I think this committee could hear from providers, hear from the community, use our needs assessment to help be in conversation with that. Um, also, the what we've been trying to dig into about the potential for additional funds um, in those buckets to make sure they're used. Um, and then we've also seen some of those projects. We've heard there's capacity, additional capacity among the provider community, and we've seen some projects like the bridge, Tay Bridge Housing project kind of in limbo, so I think it'd be great to bring those to the fore to be able to deep dive into specific subpopulations. Thank you, Member Catalano. Um, Vice Chair D'Antonio, did you? Sorry, that just made me think um, another subpopulation we've been talking about forever that we have not had a meeting on is a domestic violence system. Mm -hmm. um, really, that needs a lot of work, so yeah. Um, yeah, a couple things. Um, uh, Second, both of those, um, all of the comments so far agree with um, strongly. Um, I do think with the money on the youth and family on the September agenda, we should also schedule to do um, um, for a vote around a um, allocation of dollars for youth and family housing. That would then can move, we can forward to the budget committee um, the chair and um, a couple of the members are very interested in doing this as well um, in terms of doing a supplemental budget appropriation so we don't find ourselves in a situation where we have you know money just sitting there and um, and we have this tremendous need and so um, so that would be one thing and then the other thing is that and that's of course one-time dollars so it, we you know it's going to be kind of we got to we um, uh, we could, you know, get maybe get creative and kind of think about how to do that. That's going to be an effective use of those dollars. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, and I know a lot of the folks in the community already have ideas for this, and they've been talking a lot since the budget committee process and all of this that happened, and it's just generated a lot of discussion and a lot of great ideas. And so that's, that's really exciting. So I'd, I'd like to have that in September also. Hopefully we're not packing September. Um, and um, because it's such a long process for the money to hit it. And so we, if, we, if we don't do a supplemental appropriation, then we wait till next year's budget and then we go, into the board, we go into that process with money on the table and then we have the potential of the money being taken away again and that we just wanna avoid that also. Um, so the, um, the, my other piece is, is that I feel like we should um, do the liaisons earlier um, maybe September's too packed, but maybe we could do um, um, October because we're missing the data, but we're also missing the housing liaison, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think that would be really 
um, really good to have uh, that, you know, liaison, figure out who that liaison should be as soon as possible. Oh, there's, what's Facts. Oh, no, Michelle's behavioral. Housing was Ken, and then um, data. data. We combined impact with data. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's just one position. Okay. Yeah. I think it's not reflected, Scott was saying online, like it still has me listed as impact liaison, so it's not reflected as impact and data. Okay. Yeah. I'm Member Catalano. I have just two questions for the committee or members of the controller's office. Um, the first question is about timeline for the budget. It, I thought, well, I know we had discussions about this year being an earlier budget recommendation timeline because of the Homelessness yeah. Oversight Commission. So I'd love to hear about that. And then second question is, are we, we could add topics that we want to hear about forever. And so are we voting today on priority months or priority topics? Yes. Okay. That's the Oh, we're going to take a yeah, vote. Yeah, we needed to, yeah. So, Laura? I don't think you need to vote on any topics, but you would want to, we would want to get input from you so we can start to get yeah. months. So we're, we're very, we're, in, we're writing down everything you say. Um, but in terms of the timeline for the budget process, we're, um, the, there is a change in process for the committee slightly this year. Not uh, the, with the creation of the Homeless Oversight Commission, there was a change delegating OCO to make recommendations both to the mayor and the board as well as to the um, health and homeless oversight commissions in the budget. Um, the, we've kind of worked through this a little bit um, with departments and, and folks to kind of figure out if that changes things. The mayor's office is continuing to hold OCO separate from that February submission. So uh, the, um, there isn't the same, still we are continuing to still not have to, um, departments will not have to propose their OCO budgets for the February submission. It will hold to the same timeline of, of submission to the mayor's office as we've used in years past. There is still a need to determine the sort of timeline for coordination with making recommendations to the Homeless Oversight Commission, but it shouldn't have to move it up. It's not like the same where the commission's voting on it in January, like other parts of the budget. So it doesn't have to move it up that far. So I think we do wanna be thinking about the spring and like the February, March, April timeframe that in a way that includes uh, the commission process, but we haven't quite nailed down with, um, with the departments how, like what the timelines will be for that, but it'll be in that same chunk of time. Great. Um, I think Member Walton. Um, yes. Great ideas, and I think as we look at Tay and family, it's critical that we ask both our, the resources that come to us and we look at the fact that both of these populations result in changes over time. People age out, families be cre you know, are created, they change. Um, and so how, what we set up for those populations also overlaps with other populations. Tay become adults, people with families may move into the adult system or adults may move into the family system. And I think it's critical that we frame what we're looking at in terms of that because these aren't distinct and permanent divisions among the people we're trying to serve. And so we need to 
be aware of that so that our responses are flexible accordingly. Thank you so much, Vice Chair Antonio. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't realize we were like giving proposals for actually actual dates. So I wanted to just maybe say like October would be good for housing authority and then also have whatever department of MoCD that oversees RAD, both of them come in conjunction um, to give us a presentation on, and I can give more details, but like vacancies, um, plans for, you know, like how many people are on the Section 8 wait list, uh, vacancies in uh, PBV, um, and any other plans that they have like moving forward and any funding they're going to be receiving and that they like see um, receiving from HUD. And I'm sure other people have topics as well. Um, and also how like coordinated entry is playing into their systems as well, like allocating their vacancies, if it is, so. Thank you, Vice Chair Antonio. Um, I definitely wanna, um, as mentioned to Director Whitley, um, program in the coordinated entry update as well as the, um, uh, so maybe just DPH and HSH coming back to talk about um, those topics we sort of discussed that they need to gather more information on today. I don't know if that should happen, because uh, I know we have the holidays that we're up, right. up against too, November, December, um, but we'll have a special meeting that month. I don't know if that should happen in October, November, um, having DPH and HSH come back with some of the key, to answer some of the key questions that we put forth. Um, I'll just ask our, the controller staff if that's possible for maybe November special. Well, actually, the retreat's in November, so maybe for our December special meeting. If that's your choice. We have um, the annual report will be part of that meeting, but there would be room for other... Um, usually we have time for maybe two major discussions um, during a, a given meeting, um, so... Oh. Great. So yeah, I think that would be a great space for HSHDPH to come back with some additional, additional information, updates. Um, yeah. So what I'm hearing so far, we have uh, September just an item on just allocations uh, specifically for youth and family. Um, for October, reaching out to Housing Authority and making sure to include the RAD uh, program in that discussion. November, we have our retreat. Uh, December, we're gonna have our annual report presentation as well as have um, the departments come back for updates and to share more information on the um, final allocations. Uh, we have, and then there was um, also for October, the data and housing liaison election. We want to push that up. So we'll start our budget priority discussion in January. Um, February, we have the mid-year reporting on the budget spending and capacity added. Um, March, and in, in that time, liaisons will be off and sort of working with departments to put together a set of priorities for the committee between February and March. And then April, that's when we have our draft recommendations and we finalize our budget recommendations. Uh, May and June, um, we'll, we can look at... <laughs> We've got some other things on the list. In terms of the Office of Racial Equity, um, can our staff give us an update on any, any progress we've made connecting with the Office of Racial Equity? Um, we are waiting to hear from you on your priorities and then we'll make reach outs. If you'd like to prioritize that discussion, we can reach out again. We also had um, heard from departments 
that they, you know, there there was some interest in a prior discussion here that of having the departmental racial equity leads kind of present a little bit on their their racial equity plans and the work that they're doing in the departments as well as ORE specifically. So we can, would you like to try to put that on the fall somewhere? Yeah. Um, one of the fall months we can prioritize that. That would be great. Um, that would be really great. And then, um, yeah, the mental health SF, I actually connected with one of their members and they are also eager to meet with our committee and come and present to our committee so definitely want to get that in somewhere so i think we have i don't yeah yeah we we talked i wonder if you want to focus a little bit on the retreat because we talked a little bit about having some of that cross committee collaboration yes. and any other right. topics you'd really like to spend more time on at the retreat absolutely so one of the things that um have i've discussed with staff is that our retreat um, having members of other city committees um, and commissions that kind of oversect with our work come and um, speak with us, inviting their chair um, to come to our retreat and have some dialogue uh, with our committee. So we know there's like the Homeless Oversight Commission, there's the Health Commission, the Mental Health, S Mental Health SF Implementation Working Group. Um, that all sort of we're all in the same ecosystem. So we really want to have some dialogue around what have they been working on, what are some of their priorities, how are they seeing the system. Um, so thinking of inviting their chairs, our representative from each of those bodies to come to our retreat in November. Um, how do folks feel about, about that? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So um, we definitely want to make that happen for the retreat. Um, and that could be, yeah, the mental health, health SF conversation. I'm wondering too, kind of what member Catalano was saying about the subpopulations, like there's something ongoing about, you know, allocating, like, giving 30 minutes to subpopulation, like, different providers. To, I know it's not that much time, but, like, in each meeting sort of having a slot for a different subpopulation moving forward, if we have time. Because once we get to the budget season, like, there's no time for anything. So it would kind of just be in the next few months. It would be, like, 30 minutes a meeting, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Well, actually, I, I was thinking since you – in, for the September meeting, you were going to have um, a deeper dive on allocation of money for youth and families that we talk about uh, special pop populations then because that will add in. I think that's a great idea. True. Yeah, and we don't, for September, I think that's all we have put forth is the allocation conversation. So I think subpopulations would actually fit really nicely there. Yeah. Uh, Member Walton? And I would just ask that we, as we invite people, that we clarify what we're interested in hearing, mm -hmm. yeah. both what is happening now and what they see on the forefront or the directions their agencies, organizations would like to go so that we structure the input in a way that we can easily put it together um, that doesn't close them from saying anything else they want to say so much as just saying that what we're interested in is you know some current summary of stats programs uh, things that are in development or directions they'd like to go where they see the biggest challenges and th throughout when we ask for numbers and so forth what they base that on I think for um, <coughs> transparency I'd love to know where stats come from or how they collect their information. So giving some sort of structure to this so that we, I, it makes it easier for me to absorb. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, thank you so much. And I took a note of that, um, that that could be a framework actually for our folks we're inviting to the retreat, folks we're inviting to present here, um, just for all of our invited guests. Um, 
And then for the domestic violence um, request, I think that could go into the subpopulations mm -hmm. uh, for September. Yeah. I think we have most of what we need covered. Uh, Laura? Quick question. One, um, there, one. That puts a, like, if we're going to do <laughs> ORE and racial equity stuff plus subpopulations plus budget, it's a sort of stacked up meeting. So just thinking about whether it's um, how to stage and spread out the work. Um, so we may need to be a little flexible in some I think for for October, we can add the racial equity, um, just with the history that we know within Housing Authority. I think that would actually dovetail nicely with the Housing Authority discussion, having the Office of Racial Equity um, with that in October. And being new to the committee, I don't know how, exactly how we've operated, but it also feels like when we invite people, it's helpful to give them time to present, but we don't necessarily have to have our discussion about the topic that same meeting we collect information and then can come back, maybe ask questions or get information from them and then have our discussion the following month or a following meeting? Hmm. Yeah, generally um, in our meeting, like, I mean, we can agendize it that way, but typically when we have it agendized in the topic, we open it up for discussion. So we'll have some discussion yeah. probably will happen. I'm not saying close the discussion, but I'm saying, you know, if we're collecting from different departments, yes. different groups and can't get them all the same day, Again, I'm looking for a sense that we ask, ask some structured questions, collect the information. Obviously, um, you know, as we see today, some of our questions will prompt them to come back to us in the coming month so that we plan in our plan to discuss how does this affect our work maybe at a subsequent meeting. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think um, given sort of what we're planning that's leading up to the retreat, I think that we'll have a lot of that data from folks to be able to bring into our retreat, so we'll have enough substantive time together to kind of walk through everything that we've been hearing from all of these different stakeholders, as well have the other committees and commissions sort of be part of that uh, conversation, too. I think that would be really powerful. Um, and just to see what they're working on and what they're looking forward to in the future. Um, Member Preston? Uh, yeah, I thought, so I think for the September meeting, I think what would be helpful is, is it, and someone brought up, it's kind of a revisit of the needs assessment, right? So we're kind of. Um, no, we were, or was that, I think for September, we were looking at the budget allocation. There was a request that because there's a good amount of unallocated in, um, in family and Tay, that there may be a need to kind of have the supplemental discussion. Um, mm -hmm rather sooner than later, um, because it is one-time monies. Um, so that came up. Mm -hmm. um, we do have the needs assessment. I was actually a member president thinking about our needs assessment um, with the comments you made, um, yeah. Member Walton, um, in terms of uh, looking at that. So maybe we could. In the special population, because mm -hmm. I think in that special population discussion, it's about what are the needs, yeah. you know, looking at what, we, what you gleaned from the last needs assessment and then kind of updating that with needs of special populations and so maybe we could kick it off with just an overview of what we learned from the needs assessment then have um, the special populations conversation and then um, have the allocation piece and I think that's all we're gonna have time for <laughs> in September um, October it sounds like what we're coalescing around is the Housing Authority the Office of Racial Equity and a vote on the data community impact liaison and the housing liaison. Uh, November, we have the retreat, um, inviting our other, you know, the ecosystem of folks who are providing support, you know, uh, thought partnership in this area to come and speak with us. Um, and the revenue forecasts. So does that sound like we're getting to where we 
to go? Okay. And then December, we have updates from HSH, DPH. Um, is there other departments we want to add there? Um, and then our annual report. Uh, and then, yeah. yeah. I think they're going to come back with uh, updated numbers. Mm -hmm. That's going to be at that, at that point probably, right, for the yep. revenue projections? Yep. Yeah, okay. So actually we have a mid-year reporting for February, that one, but then this one is specific to the questions that we put to DPH and HSH today okay. um, to come back around um, some of the things that uh, Director Willie and Director Kirkpatrick couldn't answer and they want to get more information on, as well as we could hear how things are rolling out as well. Um, but we do have a mid-year reporting on budget spending and capacity in February. So, I don't know. Okay. It just sounded like they had updated, you, the controller's office had updated ah, protections, yes, yes, like, yes, yes, that's soon? Like, yeah. we out, basically, until, like, 20. Yeah. I think December would be a good time to get those, so we know that we're like we'll, updated. We'll have those um, in November for the retreat. That's our three. The budget analysis division does current year revenue projections around after the first quarter, and so November is usually when they have come to this committee to share what is the current year looking like. We should have as books are closing. Books aren't closed for last year yet, but they're still working through final books. Um, uh, and numbers, and so later in September, uh, I don't I don't know the specific timeline of when they're going to have final, like what happened last year, where did we land with revenue, and what did that um, do and impact for the budget. But I'm hopeful we'll at least have an update um, in the discussion you've already decided you've already planned for September that um, around uh, budget review for youth, and you know we would have at least a little bit updated information at that point to inform your your discussion in September. So you'll get a little bit of an update on last year's, what happened last year at September. You'll get a first look at what we're, what the controller's bad um, budget analysis division is thinking for the current year in November. We'll do an annual report about last year's total, you know, what happened um, in December. And then we'll get the current year, like what's happened in the first six months of this year in February. So we're just sort of a lot of regular touches on uh, last year and this year's budget over the course of the next few months. That's wonderful. All right, so we'll get that at our retreat as well. Uh, did you have Member Preston, Member Walton? Okay, anyone? Member one. Kalana? Um, I'm thinking about, in particular, the presentations on racial equity action plans and wondering if it might be useful or possible to have the departments submit some information in advance around implementation of those plans um, so that we could review it. I think there is going to be a lot in those plans and it is not necessarily helpful to just get a rundown of everything that's happening, but to really just have time for discussion. So in the same way that HSH, DPH, and MOCD submit implementation updates on OCO, I'm wondering if there is a, a way to request that, especially if it's in October and not September, yeah. um, that could allow us to brainstorm some more targeted discussion. Absolutely, so we can request that, um, yeah, ASAP actually from, from folks, and then that will support our conversation in October as well as our conversation in September. Um, also, if folks have specific questions for around subpopulations, around departments, if we want to send those to folks in advance or to departments in advance, so please send those to me and our staff can work um, with the departments and with um, other invited guests to make sure they're prepared um, to come and provide us uh, the data we need. So yeah, we'll request that one out. 
This is really great. Got a full year ahead. <laughs> um, and we'll keep working on May and June. Uh, Laura? Can I just put a little flag that each of you has a piece of paper in front of you about scheduling the retreat? We have oh folds. God. We're working on nailing down the time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I need my We'll get them at paper. the end, but I, thank you. Michelle's paper. <laughs> I have a paper? Yours is over here. Oh. I'll pass it. So we'll be sure to fill that out so we can get... Our special meeting okay so please be sure to fill out the survey before you leave today all right thank you oh and we do have public comment is there any public comment members of the public who wish to provide in-person public comment on this item please line up at the podium now each person will have two minutes to speak good morning once again commissioners um, I reported uh, earlier today that I thought that, that there was some dysfunction in the process of placing one individual at 74 years old um, who's been in the shelter MSC South for five years. I've personally been advocating for him for two of those years. I have my background, um, I have volunteered since I was a teenager at St. Anthony's Foundation, so over 60 years. And for many of those years, I've been working with the Veterans Recovery Group. I am personally in recovery for 43 years as an ex-cocaine and alcoholic, cocaine addict. Um, so I have some good news to report. Michael is going to be housed in a permanent supportive housing unit at the Garland Hotel tomorrow. Yay. So this is a great day, folks, and I appreciate everything that you commissioners do to fund this because Michael doesn't have much income, only $900. And I bet he's not going to pay a penny towards his rent. And he might have to pay PG&E or something. Yeah. So good going. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yes. Need those good stories, updates. That's way too long in the shelter. Yeah. All right, is there any further public in-person comment? All right, so we'll go to remote public comment. For the records, there are no additional in-person public comments. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment over the phone on this item should call 415-655-0000. Access code 26642568461. Webinar password 1234, then pound. If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to line up to speak. A system prompt will indicate you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments. Please note that you will have two minutes. Moderator, do we have any public comments on the phone? Looks like we have one caller. Hello, this is Kristen Evans. I'm sitting on the Homeless Oversight Commission, and I um, just joined your meeting, but I heard the tail end of this item's conversation, and it occurred to me that I ought to raise 
the opportunity for us to um, share information across bodies. Um, I didn't know, given the calendar that you had in place, if there made sense for there to be moments when um, our commission might be communicating to you about our work plan and agenda items and priorities and vice versa, um, and when other opportunities might present for our bodies to share information um, and when that made the most sense. So I just thought I'd mention that um, as something that occurred to me as I was listening to the tail end of your discussion. Thanks so much. Moderator, do we have any other additional public comments on the phone? For the records, there are no additional phone public comments. Thank you so much. All right, so um, we'll come back to the committee. Is there any additional future agenda items? Um, just, just wanted to respond, the previous caller, so we have the um, oversight in plan for November, in case you missed that, in the retreat, um, to do some um, coordinating between the commission and this oversight body. And I think, and then the budget will be the next, so that we kind of have two, two places where we'd be coordinating. Um, and so we could think about if we need more than that. Yeah. And thank you, Commissioner, for calling in. Thank you, Member Friedenbach. All right, so if there's no additional future agenda items, and I believe we have consensus on the um, proposed items for this, year, this fiscal year. Okay, wonderful. So I'll work with staff to um, solidify this and send out invites uh, to our speakers. And just thank you all for, for doing this work. So at this time, I believe we are at uh, adjournment. So is there a motion to adjourn? I motion to adjourn. Second. I'll second. All right, so moved by Vice Chair D'Antonio, seconded by Member Walton. <laughs> um, and I believe there's no public comment on adjournment, so we'll take a roll call. Member Catalano? Yes. Vice Chair D'Antonio? Yes. Member Friedenbach? Yes. Member Preston? Yes. Member Walton? Yes. Chair Williams? Yes. All right, thank you, everyone. We are now adjourned at 11.18 a.m., and thank you to our public for joining us.